The Homance Chronicles. The female equivalent of a bromance. So many poor choices. But so many good types. But so many poor choices. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is the Home Man's Chronicles, and I'm Sarah. And I'm Nicole. And we're doing it solo again, just the two of us. Is that solo? That's not solo. No. I'm fucking a, it up again. That's a duo. <laughs> yeah. We're doing it a wasn't nece- guest. <laughs> it wasn't necessarily like the, it was semantics more than understanding yes. of the actual, yeah. Yeah. Well, at this point, we have become one person. Right. (laughs) Essentially, yes. (laughs) Um, So I was talking to somebody today about, you know, learning the English language again and semantics and how the two phrases that I still continuously think of every time I think about when people have to learn the English language, the difference between a butt dial and a booty call. What? People don't know the difference? When you're learning the English language, it's the same fucking thing. Oh, okay. I can understand that. Yeah. You're saying like English is a second language. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like my fellow colleagues who are global, yeah, who are like booty call a butt dial, huh? And I'm like different, completely different. That's like, <laughs> you know, when you're saying, um, how, do, how do either of those things come up on a work call? <laughs> well, it's me. Let's be honest. Sure. I do it. It's my fault. I introduce them into this world of slang terminology that let's be real. It's going to help them help me in the end. <laughs> <laughs> the way I see it is if I can help my colleagues learn more English language semantics, then they can help me create more funny shit. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like to arm them as much as possible. <laughs> well, let them go. <laughs> okay. I just didn't know if you were like, Okay, today's lesson is, (laughs) or if you were going, like if it was mid-sentence and you're saying something like, oh, I accidentally butt dialed someone and then they're confused. So I was like, I was like, is this happening? Is it naturally occurring? Or is it like, today's Sarah's agenda is, (laughs) yeah. What do you call like versus to, butt dial? <laughs> I like to call, <laughs> I do in fact like to host my own little TED Talks on occasion where I spin into monologues and I'm like, fuck, I'm talking too long. I should probably end this. And I end it with, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Yeah. <laughs> but like it, some days it just happens organically or I'm like, you guys yeah. know the difference? Cause I'm just ADHD. But other days I'm like, okay, we need to focus. And then they ask me, hey, question. I'm like, oh God, what now? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, how dare people do that on their own terms? (laughs) (laughs) I just, but I do love working like globally like that though, because then we also have people like that was one, um, one group of colleagues. I, I believe they're Germans. So we had that group. And then I like, I had an Italian group of colleagues that like one day asked me why Americans ask people how they are before they actually talk about anything in conversations. And I was like, it's a weird societal pleasantry thing that like a lot of people just do to get through and then they get through it. And they're like, well, we don't, why do you do that? Just if you don't care, don't ask. And it's like, I don't, and I don't expect you guys to ask me either. They're like, well, we like you. So we're going to ask every time. (laughs) 
Yeah, it is one of those just natural flow off the tongue kind of things, especially in the Midwest where it's like, hey, how are you? How she going? Yep. <laughs> I mean, I can't speak for the coasts, you know, no. I'm, I, I doubt that it's as prevalent, but as a Midwesterner, hi, how's it going? How she go- I think it's probably because we're just fucking nosy on top of it, you know, and we're avoidant on what our problems are. So we like to hear about what everybody else's shit to validate our own. That's where I'm at. Okay. That's deep. It is. It's, it was a fucking long, deep retrograde. Okay. I came out of it a different lady. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, what's interesting is um, Mercury retrograde was over on last Thursday, which was your birthday. It was happy birthday to me. <laughs> yeah. And, um, I still was having techie issues on Monday and I'm well, like, yeah. what's going on? I'm like, retrograde's over, but I guess no, we're we... still in a shadow or whatever. But yeah, I, um, I was telling, I don't know, somebody else about it. Cause now I know even more since I work with an astrology like organization yeah Yeah. like so now I know even more because I have to write about it but (laughs) um I was telling somebody else about it and they're and they literally were like don't put that bad juju on me and I'm like I (laughs) I go it's what's in the stars (laughs) I am no in no way shape or form the creator of stars so it ain't me boo it ain't me (laughs) like um, it's already written into the stars. Like, I don't know. <laughs> this is by design, baby girl. And I'm the designer. This is not my juju. I'm just telling you the calendar. <laughs> Listen, I don't willy nilly share juju like that. Okay. There's really, it, it's, it's done with actual intent. This is just fact sharing. <laughs> yeah. I oh, and so after I, after I shared the facts, <laughs> Uh, he was like, he was having shit go bad, you know, left and right, like just having a really bad day. And he's like, I've been mad at you all day. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't my fault. God damn it. I've been mad at you all day. And you talking about this retrograde stuff. And I'm like, it, but it wasn't me though. I'm just bringing awareness <laughs> to you. <laughs> Listen, I'm just giving you info the media won't give it. Like, okay? if I was truly a sorceress, do you think that I would be where I'm at? Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> truly a sorceress. Where did that word come from? And why haven't we been using it more often? That's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I am a goddess, not a sorceress. I'm sorry. Exactly. Most of the time, <laughs> I just refer to myself as a thug. <laughs> divination thug (laughs) right oh my god but speaking of um goddess energy um i was watching this what i thought was really stupid show okay like i always have a show that's kind of on in the background while i'm doing living mindless stuff you know folding laundry whatever and i initially thought that girls five eva (laughs) was so (laughs) bad in a good way you know like so dumb like what network is this on 
peacock <laughs> girls five ever yes ever okay. oh no <laughs> <laughs> was it the urban sling that got you hooked no no it was not um actually it like it sat like the premise sounded really funny and so the show grew on me and the writing got really good like the jokes got really good <laughs> and um the cast is well I should say two of them are professional singers so there's like songwriting and singing and stuff but the songs that they sing and the words that they sing like they just aren't meant to be sung you know like they sit there and they sing these songs and I'm like how are you even fixing your mouth to say that like <laughs> <laughs> so um uh Renee Elise Goldsberry is in it she's like one of the main singers in it and she was in Hamilton oh okay I was like where do we know her from because that uh, you know me in names <laughs> yeah she's from Hamilton and a slew of other things but um are you familiar also with Sarah Bareilles maybe she plays the piano um she's a comedian no 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 she's a she's a songwriter and singer and she plays the piano and she's probably from she was probably more popular like a decade ago okay um, like making my way downtown, walking fast. <laughs> I don't know if that I'm era. Yeah, no, that era. That era, okay. though. Yes, um, twenty ten ish, probably. So, anyway, these women are in their like late thirties to late forties, or maybe even early fifties, and they're trying to reunite as a girl group. <laughs> oh like restore their former glory after all yeah, their bullshit yeah. life that they went through they're yeah. like that wasn't worth it we should have just stayed friends and kept fucking partying basically <laughs> <laughs> there was um uh an episode in season two so like i i mean i got deep in it because i would say so how many fucking seasons are there though jesus two <laughs> And it looks like you're maybe a little sad about that. Uh, no, it's okay. Um, you can admit it. It's all right. But I was, I, but I've been taken off guard by some of the songs, right? But so one of the songs that they have, I will say this is a highlight of all of the episodes from both seasons. I think it's episode six, and they do a song called "Big Pussy Energy." <laughs> <laughs> Are they talking about like a physical big pussy or just like no, big dick energy? Kind like of big dick like... energy, but for women. And it's their, <laughs> it's their, um, like mantra, you know? <laughs> um, but man, it is so silly. I was trying to find, um, like a clip of them singing that song that I could play and I can't find it anywhere. It's just on the show. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't dig that deep, I guess, but I looked on like YouTube and I Googled it and stuff. And I was like, why, why is this not anywhere? Cause it's on fucking Peacock. Nobody watches shit on there except for you. <laughs> I guess, but it has a 96% rotten tomatoes. 
the other people that only watch shit on Peacock, like you. Oh All 13 God. of you. <laughs> oh my God. But um anyway, I was talking about sorceress and goddesses and stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, the big pussy energy song. <laughs> Full circle. I know. Well, that's why that was my whole point of telling you the story is the BPE. (laughs) Do you know how fucking perfectly that segues into what we're going into next? I don't. I didn't do any um, spoiling alert to myself. (laughs) No. And that's why you have no idea. It's time for holes of history. Yes. why is that a thing I keep doing (laughs) (laughs) I don't know you created your own theme song I suppose so but yeah um jumping right in Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so last week you did who was it Catherine Catherine the Great Great. and it was a great no pun intended great story because I had no idea I didn't. I loved how shocked I was about how you didn't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not a historian. So you're going to shock me every fucking time. <laughs> so my hoe of history is Annie Sprinkle. Annie Sprinkle is not her real name. Annie Sprinkle is <coughs> a name she elected to give herself. <coughs> excuse me. So Annie Sprinkle, this, I should say my resources today for this are from actually my only resources from a book called angry women. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) it was, it's copyrighted 1991. (laughs) It's okay. No, it's a little old. So it starts off with our, you know, the story starts off with for the past 16 years in the nineties, which means that this started Annie Sprinkle's story started in like 1975 ish timeframe. Mm-hmm. So that's our timeline that we're working on today. So <clears throat> Annie Sprinkle was actually born Ellen Steinberg and claims to have had just a really normal everyday life type upbringing she didn't have any sort of abuse she wasn't um exposed to something at a younger age she wasn't abused by anybody in her life it was just growing up in LA in that time frame sex was just never spoken about it was very conservative back then so when she turned 17 Annie Sprinkle lost her virginity and completely fell in love with the concept of sex and pleasure and everything that came with it. And so she became hyper obsessed with sex. And I don't know really where she was at at the time because she says she grew up in LA, but she says she was in Panama when she lost her virginity. And she lost her virginity to an an older man who rode a motorcycle is the way she explains it. Mm, Mission trip. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, very, or spring break, I suppose. But very, very maybe sounds, on the mission trip. Yeah, sounds very mission trippy. Well, yeah, I mean, considering the fact that it was like seventies ish era, it very much could be. And so it's kind of funny because she's got like 
pictures of her and her family and they definitely look like just white traditional everybody's happy mm-hmm. having a great time mm-hmm. abiding by jesus's rules. dad doesn't even count his head's half no. chopped off in that picture no he doesn't count he just is there to make the money honey mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah so um very shortly after she lost her virginity at age 17 she got herself a job in the massage industry um it was actually only a week later and she was there for about three months doing this job and she was fucking her clients because she wanted to she was having sex with her clients because she would get really turned on so her quote the the journalist who asked a question said would you actually engage in intercourse and her response was and I quote, yes, I would do a little massage and get turned on and then I would fuck them and they'd leave me a tip, a little extra money because they'd had such a good time. I figured this was for a massage plus a tip and the sex was just something I threw in for fun because I really was curious. I wanted to try sex with all different kinds of people. She had no idea she was performing sex work. Not one clue. This Not is one the most ridiculously naive thing I've ever heard in my life. Her entire existence was, was just pure naivety. And I think that's why she is such a successful hoe of history because she, her journey is her being naive and toxically positive about every fucking thing that she ever experiences. It's incredible. So she works there for about three months and didn't realize it until one day she saw they were referring to her clients or they referred to clients or massages as tricks. And that's when she finally realized, oh my God, oh my God, I'm a hooker. She calls herself a hooker a lot. She uses the phrase hooker and prostitute. She owns it. So I'm going to just use it as needed. If I'm not referring to what she says explicitly in a quote, I will call her a sex worker. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right covering all the PC bases right now. Don't come for me. (laughs) (laughs) She claimed that she was a hippie and she needed money. And so that's why she went into the massage industry and then eventually became what she referred to as a hooker or prostitute. And so shortly after, well, maybe not shortly after, but, um, around the time that she decided she was growing up and growing out uh, you know, out of the city, she wanted to move, leave the town she was in. She moved to LA and eventually became um, Gerard Domino's like muse. And if you don't know who who he is, he's the one who made the film Deep Throat. Okay. So it's like the first sexual oriented film feature film yeah. in like the eighties, right? Yeah. And so she became, she became his muse. She decided that she wanted to um, learn filmmaking with him. And then eventually she started to apprentice with them. And that's where she kind of got exposed to what they called (laughs) one day wonders, which were in that era, really low budget porno movies. 
very low budget porno movies i have to assume. well one day shooting yeah i mean i assume it doesn't take more than one day to shoot normally but if you call it a one day wonder it sounds like they're doing the whole editing producing if they're editing at all right like Like, yes yeah exactly so she gets in the she for eight months she's doing this apprenticeship and then she worked at the massage parlor and then she was working on the films where she was like the designer the sound lady the script girl she were she learned everything about filmmaking and then she decided she wanted to be in front of the camera she says and i quote i didn't get into film for the money because i was making plenty of money as a whore i just decided to do it when i was growing up i always thought i would be an art teacher and i remember thinking well there goes that career i won't ever get to teach art school if i do porno movies now ironically i'm getting all of these offers to teach art classes because of my porno past i've always felt i had to follow my muse go with the flow What I was really drawn to was sexuality. I wanted to learn everything about it. I really didn't know why. Now I do know why, and it all makes a lot of sense. So she started fucking people for fun at her job, became an apprentice and decided she wanted to fuck professionally in front of the camera, and that's where it kind of took off. So she starts going down this path of being in porno films and she decided that she needed her own name. And that's when she came up with the name Annie Sands. And then the thing was for her that it wasn't really a good name because she wanted something more exciting. Um, And then one day she decided that everything's better with sprinkles on it. It's not necessarily that it was like kind of twofold the way she explained it. First, it was she heard a she was sitting there trying to think about it concentrating on it and this is before the spiritual part of her journey which we will get to but she was thinking about it and she claims that a goddess spoke to her and said use the word sprinkles or sprinkle and it was really weird and strange and then she considered it so she ruminated on it and she saw it thought i'm a super addicted to sugar and sugars and sprinkles that are on top of ice cream cones um, she was also attracted to the sound of wetness. And she says, and I quote, I like waterfalls, piss, vaginal fluids, sweat, come, anything wet. I love rain and practically grew up in a wet swimming pool. So Annie Springle seemed perfect. <laughs> Makes sense. Okay. So then she goes on to state that her uncle sends her a picture of a gravestone from um, wherever he was at. And this person named Annie M. Sprinkle died when she was 17. So the synchronicity there is that right. she believes she believes Annie Sprinkle came back yes, and I... is her vessel. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And so it's fairly interesting how she, you know, does... She goes through and talks about how she's had this spiritual moment in the beginning of her whoredom, sexual working, and um, decides to kind of go with this name. And she doesn't ever change her name. That's her name throughout her entire career. I believe Annie is still alive also, by the way. Um, So it it was a gravestone in Baltimore that her uncle had sent um, from. So she goes on to talk about how she does, in fact, live a very healthy lifestyle. 
She absolutely doesn't do drugs and she, but uh, except for, and I quote, except for special occasions. I'm not against them. I'm just not a drug lover. <laughs> she claims that sugar is her biggest problem and that she had quit smoking four years prior to this interview. She likes to swim and she definitely tries to exercise. But when she found out that exercise had a lot to do with sexual energy, that's when she decided that she needed to just start exercising because she would actually enjoy it. So the trend or pattern with this woman as we go through history is she just does whatever she thinks she's going to like based on how it relates to sex. Yeah. Yeah. So she's very lofty about details and like, while she's telling her story, she claims she didn't have any physical abuse ever, but there's very possible that she had a lot of mental abuse and that's not something she was ready to go and look into. <laughs> so she's super, super mentally abused still as she goes through this interview. But she does still, in fact, have a lot of crazy shit that goes on. And yeah. So she is in New York. She's starting to get in front of the camera. She's starting to do porn films. And that's when she decides that... Um, that's when she decides that sex doesn't really have anything to do with the relationships um, or a relationship. It's like, she, that was her way of getting to know people. And it was like, she didn't even have to like the guy. She didn't necessarily need to be attracted to them. It was really about that physical experience for her. And when she got into like later years of her life, she realized that that wasn't a fulfilling enough experience for her. And so um, it's kind of funny because she ends up going into like the different kinds of sex that you can have. And she identifies like her early version of sex as junk sex. And she likens it to like how we eat junk food in America. It's quick, it's fast, it's easy. You might regret it later, but it is what it is. It's there. Right. <laughs> and so she likes to compare it to like, um, getting fast food like mcdonald's very genitally focused not very intimate selfish you wouldn't go away feeling very nourished whereas gourmet sex would take a lot of time skill and be like tantric or knowledge to prepare it's more like tantric it's nourishing it's healthy um you use you would also use it just as you would use aspirin or medicine you can use it to heal so she pivots fast and furiously on what sex is for her and she starts to create all these different like des designations as to what different kinds of sex mean to her and so there's a guy called William DeRitter that she was hanging out with at one point in time in her in her life on her journey and they had gone to Pompeii and he was experiencing really bad asthma attacks and because of his lifestyle choices that he had, he was refusing hospital treatment. And so what she, what she goes on to say, and I quote, obviously neither of us were in the mood for sex whatsoever, but we weren't inhibited. So out of last ditch desperation, I thought maybe this will work because he was having an asthma attack. Mm -hmm. I well, started it takes your mind off of things. I do the same thing when I have a migraine. I'm like, doop, doop, doop somebody fuck me <laughs> yep i'm gonna come here and take this away That's a, the funniest thing is like guys are always like 
isn't this the opposite? Don't women say like, I have a headache to get out of it or whatever. Yeah, I'm like, you, bro. I'm like, um, let me tell you how, if you have a headache, especially a migraine, like it releases chemicals in your body that help push that along kind of like exercise. But guess what? When I have a migraine, I don't want to exercise. And when I have sex, I can just lay here mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can fuck the migraine away. Yeah. That works. So it's funny you say that because then she goes into talking about how she gives this guy a blowjob. So she goes, I started sucking on his cock and I was really surprised when he got a heart on. And what happened was the surge of sexual energy relaxed him. It took his mind off of breathing and it had this healing effect within 20 minutes. He was much better. And I knew he wasn't going to die. Um, then she goes to say that when she had gum surgery, she had a transsexual partner named Les Nichols. They spent a week in bed together. And um, she said she had been given all the painkillers but they didn't really work that well. And so she didn't feel romantic. She wasn't in the mood for sex, but she simply used sex as a painkiller and it worked much better than the actual medication that the doctors had prescribed her for her. So that was when she really pivoted and decided to become more spiritual about what sex was for her. And so she started to evolve Mm -hmm. what it was and what she was doing. And so eventually she got to a point where she was like, I don't want to be just physical about sex. I want it to be more to me. I want it to be more important to me than it is right now. And so um, she ended up having another partner who was, oh goodness, I think I'm forgetting. She had it. It got quiet though, and we heard the page flip. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right. Sarah's book report is still in the book. She did not take notes. (laughs) Oh no, I definitely took look. I took notes. Uh -uh. I got my notes. But she was with a partner um, who she referred to as a lover named Marco Vasi. And this was when the AIDS pandemic epidemic was full force. Fauci mid 80s yeah, yeah Fauci was telling everybody that everybody's gonna fucking die don't have sex basically mm-hmm. and so she had a partner Marco Vasi they were living together when they were diagnosed he was diagnosed for being HIV positive and they had been like lovers on and off for about 10 years that's when they realized um it was at that time that like not having sex became like the new thing and it was really hard for her at first because they couldn't be physical and that's all she knew of sex that's what sex was for her it was that seeking that physical pleasure so they started to explore what it meant to be sexual but not physical and they started going into breathing and eye gazing mm. and she and she claims that um there's a show they, on Netflix that, like that, that talks about this. Yeah. And so she's saying that the combination of the time, intimate time spent, not physically touching each other, but like eye gazing, breathing together, staring into each other's eyes. She said like, they set a timer for 30 minutes and it felt like they had been fucking for the f- full half hour. 
And so she says that in a way AIDS actually helped her become more spiritual about sex and intimacy because she wasn't allowed to be that physical with that person. And she wanted to explore it with that person. And they did. And so like, that's really when her journey took that serious hard left into sexuality. It's crazy more though that she didn't also get diagnosed. She's yeah. And in that process, she said that she had several partners who had been diagnosed with HIV and she had tested negative several, like three times every time she went and got tested. And she just didn't never, never had it, never contracted it. So, well, never contracted it or her immune system fought it or something. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that was the case. So, so yeah. So she decided then yeah, to explore sex at a whole new level. Yeah, I think the um, <laughs> show I'm thinking of is the Gwyneth Paltrow one. It's part of like the Goop yeah. franchise, which I'm yeah. not a huge fan, I guess, of all that stuff. But um, she's not in it much. Which is fine. You know, so there but there was a um, a part of an episode where this guy was like laying down on a like a massage table or something and it was kind of it kind of reminded me of reiki how you you're not actually touching the person you're just kind of like waving your hand over and there's the energy and stuff and this guy Mm -hmm. had like full-blown orgasm and wasn't even touched yeah so yeah so that's a thing Mm -hmm. so she went she definitely just went full on there with it Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) and so after she became more educated in the spiritual realm she said, fuck porn. I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be a performance artist. She wanted to become more artistic in the way she was expressing her sexuality on stage in front of people, whatever the case was. So she quit porn and became like this advocate for healthy sex in society. And she ended up, um, what's it called? writing a book called the post-porn manifesto (laughs) post-porn modernist is what it says on the googles yeah well i'm sorry the post-porn oh is that the name of the book book okay yeah so veronica vera wrote the manifesto i should have said and it was essentially like she was doing performances for years and she really wanted to heal and transform her life. And so that's what she did before she got into performance art. And um, when she started her performance art, she found somebody to represent her that was actually fairly famous and had been helping some other folks kind of become more popular in society. Kind of like a- um, An agent. Yeah, in a sense. And so when she started her performance, it was really kind of um, elementary. She didn't really have a whole lot of understanding of what she wanted to do. And um, she, her first like idea was really to kind of highlight the negative experiences that she had while doing sex work in the massage parlor or sex work in porn. And so what she ended up doing was recording all of the awful things that people said to her that upset her or whatever while she was um giving blowjobs throughout her experience and um she was recording the men as they were saying it 
no, she recorded the audio separately afterwards. I believe oh, it was all her so own. So she just said she repeated what had happened. Okay. Yep. So she filled a cassette with angry, judgmental, or explorative, exploitative remarks. Um, like, come on, Annie, we'll pay you an extra $10 if you do that anal sex scene. And then she did a performance where, and this is me quoting, where, uh, let's see, where I played the tape, gagged on this huge dildo, and just got in touch with the pain of those hundred blowjobs. I really cried and it came, and the pain came from my gut. It was very visceral. All of the sexual abuse I'd ever suffered came out of my throat. I gagged. I really gagged. After I did that for a while and then the tape stopped, I did a healing ceremony for myself. I'd been having gum problems and my feeling was it was from those lousy hundred blowjobs. So I put a ground up carrot in my, on my gums and teeth, burned some herbs and healed myself. And that was my performance. I felt really good afterwards. Should have said she had given roughly, she said she thought she gave around 300 blowjobs in her career that at that point. And so she said that of those 300, about a hundred were really bad. And that was her first performance. Hmm. Interesting. Uh-huh. And so, oh, uh, the, her director's name was Emilio Cubri, Cubri, Cubrio. Fucked that all up. C-U-B-E-I-R-O. And um, he came up with an idea to make a board with like lots of dildos attached to it. And that performance kind of grew from one giant dick to a wall of dildos that she eventually would do that performance over. And mm. um, after a dozen times, she never, she quit crying and gagging because she was free from all the abuse that she suffered. So in a way that was her coping healing her trauma however Mm -hmm. coming to terms with it overexposure numbing it I don't know what you want to call it but she used her performance pieces as that so they ended up creating a couple of more kind of performances for her to to do um she would go through hours per week that she was working while she was doing porn movies versus the you know the average everyday woman um, and she would kind of go through like the pros and cons of her experiences as she was going through it. And then like, she ended up getting to a point with her performances where she would put one of those things in that what's, what's those things that the thing that you, when you go to the lady doctor and they stretch you out, what's it called? <laughs> um uh, what's it called no they're not cutting you it's not a scalpel um oh crap I don't remember it's um speculum speculum yeah there you go okay so it got to a point where her show was like I'm gonna fucking show you this is not a scary topic this is totally safe and everything's cool and normal and sex isn't a bad thing. And like being in tune with your body isn't a bad thing. And so she, she ended up, she ended up taking a scalpel. What are they called? (laughs) 
the vice grips for the JJ. Yeah, the <laughs> vagina spreader. <laughs> um, so she put in a speculum, had an usher help her police the line, and allowed anybody from the audience to look at her cervix live in front of the audience. So at the end of her performances, she would go through this ritual and allow these people to go in and look at her cervix if she had to pee during it she had a toilet on stage that she would pee in and wipe on and all that fun stuff in front of people because obviously what's there what's left to be seen wow (laughs) wow (laughs) i'm showing nicole a picture of annie sprinkle with her legs wide open and somebody in it with probably what glass yeah, what appears to be a magnifying glass. Just <laughs> taking a peek. Uh, and she you know, been- while yeah. you've been telling us this story, I just, you know, typed her name into the Google machine. Mm-hmm. And because um, I wanted to I- see what she looked like. And so like oh, yeah. that picture is the first time that I saw what she looked like. And she, in some of these movie covers, She's got insanely huge boobs, so she must have had a boob job at some point. Um, and but one theme also is that she consistently has like either really dark brown hair or really dark like red hair. Like she's it seems like she's always had like an unnatural hair color and body shape, which is hilarious because I don't know what she looks like in color. I've only looked at her black and white images from this book. Oh, okay. I didn't want to do any kind because this the way she tells the story in this book is so crazy. I had to just pull it from here. <laughs> um. So yeah, because she's got she's like on the covers of some of these of some of her books. She's on the covers, and one of them she kind of looks like Lily Tomlin. Um, yeah, a little bit. And she's not really. Well, she's on a couple of the covers of these movies, but like. There's this movie from 2017 called Water Makes Us Wet. <laughs> <laughs> she loves wet. I know. This is an uh, ecosexual adventure. And it's just got this weird snippet of this guy making a weird face. <laughs> like... Oh, man. She's probably still alive and well then. She yeah. is, she's 67 she lives in philadelphia she's married to a woman i presume it's a woman her name is beth yeah oh that um, okay well then good for her that makes sense because at the end of her story <laughs> oh yeah we're not done with the interview but she basically goes into saying that her show inspired a lot of women and it was really nice for her to be able to communicate for women In the earlier parts of her career, she was more focused on the physical pleasure. And that's why she was always with men because men provided her with that physical pleasure. She hadn't necessarily been with women until Les Nichols, who was in fact a transsexual that had both genitalia, a dick, fabricated dick and a vagina. He was born with. So that was her first interaction with uh, biologically biological female you know uh organs or whatever and then well i mean i should say that her career introduced her to them to women 
but she wasn't attracted or had any interest in them at that Mm -hmm. time. She only Mm -hmm. did it for money or whatever. So at the end of this interview, when, you know, it's 91, so she's still in the mid nineties, she's still doing this stuff. She's still bringing sexual education to people and all this fun shit. She states that, um, she's at a point in her life where she's not interested in men anymore, uh, or sex with anybody. Um, she's capable of doing breathing exercises and getting herself to orgasm as she's walking down the street as she would like to. So now she's really trying to become more in tune with what her needs and wants are. And she said that she was starting to explore the idea of being with women in that way. So it sounds like she was in fact a lesbian (laughs) at the end of it all. Converted. Converted. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So that and uh, that concludes my little hoe and history. Um, she had a couple of things happening that I just want to highlight really quickly that I thought were pretty incredible. Um, she wrote over 300 articles on sex for the penthouse hustler. Uh, what's it called? Magazines. She had 11 audio tapes for an art foundation in Amsterdam. She had actually lectured at Tyler University, the Museum of Modern Art in NYC. Um, She attended three sessions at a summer saint camp for um, prostitutes of New York. I don't know if the organization still exists, but they go by pony. (laughs) And then she had, in the 90s, at the time of this interview, over 150 feature films, 20 videos, 58 millimeter loops. Um, she had performed as a cast member um, <laughs> of Deep Inside Porn Stars. <laughs> and On her website, it says that she got a PhD in, sexu- in human sexuality. So she must have done that oh, after. She, yeah, she must have. And there's uh one of her books is dr sprinkles spectacular sex so that was in 2005 <laughs> perfect so it sounds like miss miss sprinkles decided miss sprinkle decided to get herself together got yeah she's therapy. a certified sexologist yeah and got herself some therapy yeah, yeah. <laughs> explored her sexuality in a young wild time and now she is a formal doctor mm-hmm. according to her website so that's, that's, uh, that's in Annie Sprinkle y'all. Yeah. Which is Annie And then when you go to the website, like the top banner says her, it says Annie Sprinkle.org. And then in parentheses, it says ism. So it says orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> so she's still very much in love with the thought of sex. <laughs> oh, well, obviously like, that was, that was, I mean, <laughs> Annie Sprinkles was reincarnated into her body. So she's not going to be able to get rid of it. (laughs) Yeah. So Annie Sprinkles. There's a new book called um, Planet Orgasm that you can buy it from the pleasure shop on Amazon. Oh, that's fun. Good for her. So yeah, Annie Sprinkle. She made a couple of waves back in the day, made some people really uncomfortable um, at one point in time, one of her shows that she had where people were supposed to inspect her cervix, she ended up 
um, having cops there instead of doing things that were illegal. She omitted them from her show, but she did tour globally. She was in Europe and they loved it. So she continued her show over there for a couple of years, I have to assume. And now she is where she's at today. Thriving. (laughs) Thriving. Hopefully she's mentally healthy as well. (laughs) (laughs) What a journey. What a treat, right? I truly cannot wrap my head around it slash believe that somebody was like, I'm having sex after massages as a bonus to myself. <laughs> I know, right? Like what? What a cool what? freebie for me. <laughs> what a neat freebie for me. <laughs> I just, but you know, it makes me wonder, like, now I want to look at, does she have any other interviews about how she was brought up and how that impacted her because <laughs> I have a feeling her dad's whose head cut off in the picture was actually not good to her <laughs> or not good to her mother. I don't know, but well, it sounds like there could have been a lot of guilt and shame around stuff. And yes. however, she didn't really become affected by it um, or didn't realize the effects of it. She still did her own thing anyway. And her family knew about it because her uncle sent her a picture with her now fake name. <laughs> so she, I mean, she, she, and she was doing all these shows. She was doing, she was living out loud with this lifestyle. So she really was. But if you think about it in the time, like living out loud wasn't really that out loud because there was no social media or anything like that. So if you were doing I stuff, not necessarily, people wouldn't necessarily find out. Yeah, As, you'd have to go into the back room of the blockbuster. Yeah. And so like <laughs> Yeah, cuz 90s blockbuster right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like to go and be like look at my cervix with a magnifying glass on stage and like touring, that's some balls, man. Like fuck yeah. I'm impressed. <laughs> especially can't you can't really look at your own cervix like i, I mean i guess you, you put a mirror down there but it would be hard to get the right I, angle to be able to see your own cervix so i don't i don't know if i'm it's i don't know if i'd be able to do that i can't pull that shit off i'm trying <laughs> to pull myself like the core strength it takes just to pull yourself nope everything's <laughs> shutting down i'm closed up there's no seeing cervixes oh man well, yeah. thank you. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing that story today. <laughs> no, thank you, Annie Sprinkle. Damn it. It was immediately when you sent me her name, though, it made me think of Sammy Sprinkles, <laughs> which <laughs> is a woman is. from Detroit who is also very uh, voluptuous. Well, yeah, voluptuous. I mean, she ha- she's had a lot of surgeries for a lot of things um and wants to look like a barbie but is also very loud and proud about being a stripper or at least some sort of um sexual work in a, yeah entertainment um she was on a episode of botched on e actually that's why i know that for sure she's had lots of plastic surgery <laughs> 
I mean, you can tell by looking at her too, but, yeah, uh, right. so it's just <laughs> funny to me that there's two women with the name sprinkles. And so I don't know, maybe Annie was an inspiration or it could just be coincidence. I was also oh, yeah, good point. Yeah. Right. And then I was watching this, um, John Oliver video and he was talking about a woman whose name was twinkle. Like that was her actual born name. And she was in politics. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, so what's going on today with like the women and the sprinkles and the twinkles and the, <laughs> you know, I, yeah, good fucking call. Cause uh, Oh my God, I'm looking up Annie sprinkle now. Yeah. She's colorful. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't do, I'm surprised you didn't do any Googling. All right. Well, I guess I, it's time for Atta Girls. Yeah, I definitely didn't want to. Oh, I should mention really quickly. One last thing. <laughs> one thing that she did um, in her career was it's called the Bosom Ballet. I'll just let y'all Google that on your own. Atta Girl time. <laughs> uh, my Atta Girl is that I've been working out like four or five days a week. Wee wee. Um, I have, because I can, because I can, I don't really know if there's going to be, um, like a weight loss or there's not really a goal attached. <laughs> That's fair. I, I do better when there's not. Yeah. Cause then you don't I, have expectations to be sad when you're not meeting them. Yeah, well, it. yeah. Then there's not disappointment, but also like, I don't need the pressure. You know, like if I, if I'm like, oh, I have time today, I will. And lately I've been having the time. So, I mean, here we go are. Me. I'm proud it's of you. It's a healthy choice. Girl. Yeah. <laughs> a fucking girl. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, I put an offer in a house and they accepted. So I'm moving. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't say that until you close i said probably afterwards <laughs> i know but uh... yeah um i pulled a big girl move and my boyfriend and i decided it was time to combine houses and since we have a plethora of animal animals 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 between the two of us uh we decided that buying a home would be in our best interest especially during this time of credible inflation and higher interest rates than we've seen since the 90s um so that's what we're doing and (laughs) (laughs) all things considered even though I did start during retrograde it's not a shock to me that we were able to finally make a move this week after retrograde has ended so I'm nervous I'm excited this is definitely something I didn't think I would be doing ever in my life um with this kind of a house house. well yeah I always thought I would be purchasing like property to build a home on I never thought I would be owning a home that was previously built in somebody else's mind so that's where I'm at with that but I'm excited new chapter new place to live you know Mm -hmm. new experiences I get to actually I am excited to own something that I now want to decorate you know, my house that I have now I rent. So it's only surface level decorations. It's not like how I'd really want to live my life. And so I guess I'm doing myself a favor. Nah, I'm going to allow myself to truly live. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm gonna put a well, hole in this wall, and it's gonna be my wall to put a like, hole in. And yeah, nobody you're gonna, gonna truly make me. something your own. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about truly live, but make something no. your own, sure. Yeah, and I haven't ever been able to really do that, so I'm pretty excited about the prospect of that. But it's getting through the whole process first. That's gonna be the challenge. A lot of people don't even have an opportunity to own a home. And so, I mean, you know, you have to look at the positives here, like that you're oh, able yeah. to do it. Yeah. I'm very, very fortunate, but I also put in a lot of fucking work to get where I'm at. I'm not lucky. No. <laughs> you no. know, and I have to remind people of that because people go, oh, you're so lucky. But no, I bust my ass. Don't tell me I'm lucky. I hate it when people say I'm lucky. It's I'm here on purpose. I did this on purpose. <laughs> right. 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 And I'm like, tired of being like yeah look at me I'm just a looking blessed nope that's not it <laughs> right I know I mean I remember when I bought this house and I think I saved like 20 grand in like eight months or something that's remarkable I don't know I I don't I, I it's not like I live and I lived in like bare minimums I just got real like cost conscious Vir- you got real Virgo-y on us all I- real quick <laughs> <laughs> you want to make me a spreadsheet babe I'm here for it let's go <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean it might have been like a year that I but yeah I was just like oh I need a down payment I gotta start now <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and then the like thing- within a year I was like oh I guess I have 20 grand now <laughs> yeah well see and that's the thing like I inv- I I'm proud of myself I will say this a long time ago now I think it was probably six years ago I purchased a lot of a piece of property, a plot of land that was vacant in the city I live. And I purchased it for cash and I only paid 1500 for it. Um, and now the value of that property is well over $20,000. And so I'm hoping <laughs> mm-hmm. that my lot sells <laughs> time for all of this stuff to kind of go through. So fingers crossed, y'all send me the books. <laughs> Oh, wow. <laughs> Not to say I don't have the money. I do. I can move stuff around and make it happen. It's just, sure. I don't want to put in the effort. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, Some contingencies so. here. Everybody yeah. put out the good juju. <laughs> please. Fucking please. Uh, it's already in the stars. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, it's out. I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, if you liked what you heard today, please rate review, uh, send us a note give us, uh, recommendations on other hoes of history. Um, if you're digging this storyteller format, let us know. You can follow us on Instagram at homance underscore chronicles. Um, join our closed group on Facebook, the homance chronicles, a judgment free zone, and you can email us homance podcast at gmail.com with recommendations. Wee wee. All right now, home man's out. Bye.